Let's open back, just back up a couple chapters in Matthew chapter 10. Actually, just one chapter. We, uh, we saw last week in the, the last portion of chapter 9, the ministry of Jesus and his example, the Great Commission, where he went, it says, to all the towns and villages, teaching, preaching, and healing, and those three things are still continuing today. They need to be continuing. We need all three, the teaching of God's Word, preaching for commitment to challenge, and to be healed by Jesus. We need all those things. Why did he do those things? It says there that in verse uh, 36 of chapter 9, he saw the crowds and he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Why did he do those things? Because he cares. Because he cares for you. He cares for me. He cares about people. That's what's most important is people. Not all the stuff in this world, not all the things, but he cares deeply and the word talks about him being, you know, moved from the very depths of his being for people. And again, that's an example I think you and I can look at and say, well, do we even care about people? Uh, Bob mentioned, you know, one of our uh, parts of our vision is to care for the lost. Do we even care at all? Do we care for people or do we just care about ourselves and what we need, what we want, what we, you know, have to do in our careers and our bank accounts and all these other things? Jesus, he saw people. He saw their needs and he, and he had compassion for them. He said that they were like sheep without a shepherd, but he would be their shepherd. I think one of the things that Justin was talking about there is, is having the Lord as our shepherd, having him as Lord, surrendering and submitting to him as a shepherd and letting him guide and lead us. The shepherd knows what's best for his sheep. And he knows what's best for you. He knows what's best for me. So for us to say, Lord, be my shepherd... I know that I need a shepherd in my life. I know that. And we have to come to the place where we're willing to admit and surrender and say, Lord, you, you're the good shepherd. You can be my shepherd and, and uh, I will surrender and submit to you. And then it's like what he was talking about, the yoke and, and that kind of thing. Do we need leaders in the church? Yes, we do. But as I mentioned last time, leaders are under shepherds. And their job is to point to the true shepherd, the chief shepherd that Peter talked about. Point to the chief, chief shepherd, and, and uh, that's what our jobs are to do. Not to uh, point to ourselves, but always be leading people to Jesus as the true shepherd. There's a harvest, he said. And I find it interesting, he tells them the harvest is plentiful. Look in verse 37, chapter 9. Harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And then he tells him what? To ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. It's still true today. It was true then. It's true today. And, and we have these opportunities before us now. But he challenges them to pray. And then where we pick it up here in chapter 10, look at verse 1. It says, he called his 12 disciples to, them, to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names. And then down, jump down to verse 5. It says, these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. So he challenges his disciples to pray first, and then what does he do? He sends them. First they pray, and he sends them. He calls and empowers them. What we pray for 
what we pray about, how we pray affects us. You see, and, it, and perhaps as we begin to pray for people, it, this burden develops within us. A burden, and our, our eyes are more and more open to the opportunities in this harvest around us. As we pray, you say, well, you know, I don't really pray much for people and I really don't, you know, see what the big deal is. Well, I think if we would pray, I think we would understand what the big deal is because our eyes would be more open to seeing the needs around us. They're huge. They're everywhere. Of course, you can say, well, you know, if I pray, then he might send me and I don't really want to go. I don't really want to be involved. I don't really want to do it. Well, then I shouldn't pray because you got to watch, you know, that saying, watch what you pray for because you might get it. Oh, yeah, so I just don't bother praying. What kind of an attitude is that? That's just what it is, an attitude. But the real question is, are we willing to be the answer? Are we willing to be the answer? Are you and I willing to be an answer even to the prayers that we pray? It's kind of exciting in a way. You know, we pray about things and then someone else gets to get involved in it. Well, what if we get to get involved in it? We get to, we get to see something good happen and we get to see people's lives change. And that's kind of exciting to be the answer to our own prayers, in a sense. Of course, the, the Lord is the one answering the prayer, but I think you know what I'm saying, that we get to be involved in it. We looked at Isaiah and uh, what, a, what a powerful... Uh, call in the life of Isaiah, you know, he said, he said he saw the Lord and, the, and, and, you know, he was just demolished. Like, who am I? How could I, you know, my lips, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm just, I can't do anything. And the Lord touched him. And then the Lord says, you know, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And, and Isaiah says, here am I, send me. Because the Lord had touched him. But none of us really have anything to offer in and of ourselves, but empowered and called by God, amazing things can happen. Amazing things can happen. So we see that in the lives of these 12 here. Let's look at chapter 10 again, these verses. He says he called his 12 disciples to him. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he gave them authority to drive out evil spirits, to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon the zealot and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out. These twelve he called his 12 disciples. <clears throat> you know, one of the things that when we're reading the Bible, we come to these lists, right? And we can just kind of say, oh, there's another list. And we get kind of bored with lists. Some of the lists are like, you know, chapter long lists. And you go like, wow, what can you ever say about that? What can you ever, you know, get out of that? And, and maybe we'll just skip over the list. So I think we're just going to skip over that list. Not. Why? Because we're not actually going to get to the list today, but this list is a list of names of real 
living, actual people just like you and just like me. These are people. It's not just names on a page. These names of the 12 apostles. God called them. Jesus, it says, he called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority. There's a call that happened in the lives of these people. And, I, and I, you hear this phrase, the call of God, right? Well, what is that? And, and is it something just for like Billy Graham, he received this call of God? Or, you know, someone who goes into the ministry receives a call of God? You know, how does it happen? When does it happen? What exactly is it? These kinds of things about, about what we see here in this passage. These 12 disciples were called by Jesus himself. I think there is certainly a sense where a call is a kind of a general call. Call to all. What we heard from Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all you who are weary. All who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest, right? It's a sort of a general call, but here it gets very specific, doesn't it? it? It gets down to these particular individuals, and Jesus had a particular plan for those particular individuals in a particular way, in a particular, and I better stop saying that word. <laughs> but you, you know what I'm saying here? It's, this is a person. These were people that he called. It got from the general to a specific person. A specific name. And I, and I want, we're not going to get to the whole thing today, but I want you to be thinking about your name in this passage. Not that he's calling you to be an apostle, but that he's calling you and he has a call upon your life. And, and do you know what it is? How do you find out what it is? Some of you perhaps are called to go and, and be a missionary or be a full-time, in full-time Christian service. But not all of us are called to do that, but, but all of us are called, I truly believe. And so what is God's calling in your life? Is it to go work at, at you know, company number XYZ? Oh, those are letters. And, and be, the, be the light in that company that there is no other lights there? Is, is that perhaps what God is calling you to do? As I... As I as most of you know, I'm, I'm working with the Warwick Police Department, and, and uh, you know, it's been a long process to, you know, be, become a chaplain there. But you know what? I, I, I've been just being there, just trying to be a light, because I feel like God has called me to do it, and sometimes I don't want to do it. Sometimes I really enjoy it. Sometimes I don't, but, but I feel like God has called me just to, just to offer myself, and they haven't said, no, go away, don't come, ever come back again. And so I get to go ride along with a police officer every, every couple of weeks I go and ride along for two or three hours or whatever, and, and, and sometimes it's exciting and sometimes nothing happens, and I tell them I'm glad nothing happens because I live in Warwick and I don't want a lot of bad things happening. So it's, you know, for them it's not that exciting, you know, because that's their job and just drive around and, you know. But I get to interact with these guys, right? And so I'm just there. And I'm not like shoving stuff down their throats or anything. But I'm just being who I am. Perhaps God has put a call in your life, a specific call. Notice here, he, he talks about for, him, uh, for them, for these 12, from being uh, disciples, kind of in a whole giant group of disciples, because there were more than just the 12, to becoming apostles, so it kind of got narrowed down a specific, a specific thing. And I know what, 
what some of you are thinking, you know what, I can't, I can't do anything. I can't be called. God doesn't have a call for me. You know, who am I? What, what, I see, what I've seen in studying this passage and, and, and looking at people like Isaiah and looking in my own life is that, you know, it doesn't matter who you and I are. The call of God is what's important and the empowering of God is what's important and what He wants to do through us. One of the first things that a president does when he gets elected is to pick a cabinet to help him govern. And when we look at this, these are the characters that Jesus chose to be his cabinet, so to speak, to help kind of get the church started. I don't know about you, but as I've been looking at the lives of these guys, I probably wouldn't have chosen these particular 12 guys to be this cabinet. And, and I don't think uh, you know, any president in their right mind would have chosen people like this. But this is the way the Lord works. So, as a, so, in fact, you know, there is more opportunity for people, just simple, ordinary people like you and like me. Now, if you get offended and if I say simple and ordinary people, then, ooh, you, you got some other issues that you need to work it out with the Lord. Like, you're looking for the Lord like, you know, you really should choose me because, you know, I really got it all together and here I got the stuff that, I, you know, I got the right one, and you know, you're the pick me. Well, those are the kinds of people the Lord says, you know what? You better just try to figure this out. The scripture says that God resists the proud, but gives grace to what? The humble, people that are willing to say, you know what? what who am I? Who am I? Someone said this if, you're think, if you think that you are too small, to be effective, you have never been in bed with a mosquito. <laughs> right? That little tiny thing at night, you hear him buzzing around like, stop. But he's very effective and he does a really good job and, and, and you know, for what he does. So maybe you're just like that little mosquito and that big giant thing. And, and, but God can use us. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And verse 26. It says, Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And he chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. So what? So that no one may boast before him. So that no one could boast God chose you and me. We think we're foolish. We think we're weak. We think we're lowly. We think we're despised. We've got nothing to offer. I could say all those things. You could perhaps say all those things about yourself. But yet God chooses people like you and like me to do something. He wants to use you and me. We see it 
Back here, let's go back to Matthew. We see it in the, in the lives of these 12 people that he looked, that he called. Number one, though, I want, I want you to notice the first thing here in chapter 10, verse 1. It says he called his 12 disciples. And look what it says there. What does it say? To him. See those words? He called his 12 disciples to him. And then it says he gave them authority and, and, and empowered them. But his number one call, his number one call was to himself. Not to go out and be something incredible, not to you know, dazzle the world with who they were going to be, but his number one call was to himself. And our number one call is to Jesus Christ, to be with him. Say, well, no, I want to be called to be famous. I want to be called to, to, you know, lead thousands and, and hundreds of thousands of people to Jesus. No, the number one call, the number one call is to Jesus himself. Jesus himself, to serve him, to be with him. Look, look with me, Mark chapter 3. I want to, I want to uh, show you a few other uh, instances where this is very, very clear. Mark chapter 3, verse 14. Mark's parallel account. Look, at, look what it says there in verse 14. It says, He appointed twelve, designating them apostles. And look what it says. That they might be with Him, and that He might send them out to preach and to have authority. Number one was that they might be with Him. That's the number one call. You say that's true of everybody. Yeah, it is. It is true of everybody. But but when it when it gets down to even specific specifics and the 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 individual call of you and of I, the first and very foremost thing is to be with Him. We're called to Him to worship Him to serve Him. Someone said this that the training of the twelve included not only instruction. And we're gonna we got a whole chapter of instruction. And practice where they got to go out and learn all kinds of things in various forms of ministry, but also continuous association and intimate fellowship with Jesus Himself. Continuous association and intimate fellowship with Jesus Himself. Why is that? Why is this number one? There's a couple of reasons. Number one is because He just wants to be with us. He wants us to be with Him, to spend time together with Him. That's why we were created. That's why the human race was created, to have fellowship with Him. So He just desires that. But secondly, is if we have got nothing in, a relation, in terms of relationship with Him, what is it that we have to offer people anyways? Head knowledge? Some, you know, we can quote some verses perhaps, but if we've got nothing in terms of relationship is what, is what we're calling to, to share with people is that, that you can have a relationship with God. And He wants to have a relationship with you, but if you don't have one, how can you tell anybody else about it in any sort of meaningful way? You can't. I can't. My number one calling is not to preach, not to teach the Bible, not to you know, work on physical things around the church. 
to go and help the police. My, my number one calling is to be with Jesus. My number one calling is to him. And that's true for each one of us. Someone said that the disciples, they were probably in their 20s at this time. And they were taken from varied walks of life and probably of average ability. But their true greatness lay in their association with Jesus. It's kind of like, you know, when you're with someone who's really good in a certain way, a certain area or whatever, and, and you know, you, you couldn't really get in except for that. What do you say? I'm with him, right? I'm with him. And that's, that's what was going on here with these guys. It wasn't anything they had in themselves, as we'll see next time as we look at each one of their lives, and, and some were more important than others. Some were kind of crazy, Turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 4. Acts, chapter 4. And verse 12. The Lord used Peter and John to do incredible things. And Peter's preaching now in, in uh, chapter 4. He says he's, in verse 8, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He, he doesn't have these words on his own. And we, we kind of saw in the Gospels, and we'll talk about Peter, you know, he, he, on his own, what did he have to offer? Um, he kind of, uh, as someone said, he had a foot-shaped mouth. But here, he is filled with the Holy Spirit, and he's, he's just, God is using him in an incredible way. And, and he says these words in verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. That is powerful. Peter didn't come up with that on his own. The Holy Spirit used him, gave him those words. You and I, you know, what do we have to offer except our story, our testimony? And we'll, we'll see that, that God uses our story. But unless there's Jesus in the story, we got no story. And the Holy Spirit gave him those words, and God's word is what is powerful. And, and it says in verse 13, it says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John, and what? And realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note, what? That these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. They took note what? That these men had what? Been with Jesus. What made the difference? They had been with Jesus, the number one calling. The number one change in their lives was because they had been with Jesus. They were unschooled. They were ordinary. People looked at them and said, how could they ever do anything? But they had been with Jesus. You and I are called to be with Jesus. That's our number one calling. We can't expect to fulfill any other kind of calling unless we fulfill number one. Number one is number one. We're called to Him. Let's go back to Matthew 10. The first thing call to him and the second thing is we see that it says there in verse 1 that he gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and 
to heal every disease and sickness. Jesus gave them what they needed. And the, the principle in this is, is this, that he equipped them to do what he called them to do. And that's a principle we see throughout the Bible. If God is calling you or I to do anything, he will equip you or I to do what he calls us to do. He doesn't say, well, this is what I want you to do. Good luck. Figure it out. I hope you can, you know, succeed. And if you don't, I'm going to beat you down. No, he says, this is what I want you to do. And I'm going to help you to do it. I'm going to give you the strength, the power, the words, whatever it takes to do what I've called you to do. And in the end, when God uses you, then you can say, well, it was, it was who? Who gets the credit? Who gets the glory? He does. Why? Because he helped you do it. If, if, if he called you because you're so good looking, if he called you because you're so intelligent, you're so charismatic, you're so unbelievable, well, then something happens, and then who starts to, what do you start to think? Well, yeah, yeah. I was, I was pretty good at that, wasn't I? Yeah. You know, and who gets the glory? Who gets the credit? Pastor Chuck says, you know, over and over again, he says, don't touch the glory. Don't ever touch the glory. Because it doesn't come from us. It comes from him. He's the one who empowers. He called them. He sent them out to do these particular things. We've already talked about demon possession previously. We've talked about healing previously. And, and I believe that if he calls us to be involved in these particular things, that he will equip us to do what he calls us to do. Like we could do anything if he didn't. Of course not. Number one call was to him. Number two thing we see here is that he gave them what they needed to do, what he called them to do. These specific names. Look at verse 2, and we'll finish with this. It says, these are the names of the 12 apostles. Each one was important. There's a verse in 1 Peter that Bob quotes frequently. It says, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully, administering God's grace in its various forms. Each one of these men were called specifically. They were part of a group, but each one had a calling as well. And as we'll see, each one was very different. Each one was served in a very different way. In Paul, Paul's letter to the, to the Galatians, he says this, that each one should carry his own load. And each one of us needs to do what God's called us to do. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, in fact, why don't we turn there and we'll, we'll close there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Speaking about the body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 11. He, he speaks of a whole line of, of uh, gifts and workings of the Spirit of God and service. But he says in verse 11, all these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. So we're not all the same. Each one of us is very, very different. He goes on to talk about this body being all different. Look at verse 12. He says, the body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form 
one body, so it is with Christ. Jump down to verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. The whole passage in between talks about, you know, one saying, well, I'm not as important as the other one. The other one is more, you know, gifted than I am. But he says, each one of you is a part of the body of Christ. Each one of you who have believed in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, each one of you are, a, are, are part of this body of Christ. And, and what is it that he's called you to do and be? You're not going to find that by watching television. I just want you to know. How are you going to find that out? The questions I asked in the beginning of this, the, the calling of God, how do we find out? How do we know? What is it? How do we find out? Well, number one, we need to have an open heart, right? And we need to ask Him, Lord, what is it that you have, what kind of a plan and purpose have you got for my life? I'm going to share my story next time, but, but I know that, that when, when you have an open heart, that God is faithful and He will show you and tell you. But again, it's not gonna, you're not going to find it being bombarded by all the things of the world. It's going to take a little bit of time of being quiet before the Lord. Justin mentioned that still, small voice, being in God's Word, spending time with Him. The first part, the first calling, and I can tell you that, is for each one of us, but specifically, each one of us is to be called to spend time with Him. Number one call. And through that, through that, he will begin to, to open your heart and lives and eyes to what he's called you to do and who he has called you to be. Is it an easy process? No. Does it happen overnight? No. I still feel that God is, is continuing to, to show me and, and confirm in me what he's called me to do and to be. But you know what? It's exciting. It really is. It's an exciting thing to be what God's called you to be, to follow his call. We'll look at these guys next week, shall we? Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for who you are in our lives and that we can come before you. Lord, this room is... Uh, full of a hundred or so people who are, are basically an army of, of soldiers to serve and to be lights. So we've seen it salt and light in the world. That you would choose to use us as you chose to use these 12 men that we'll consider next time. Father, I pray that even this week as we would find that time, carve out that little bit of time and, and surrender to you as our shepherd, you as our Lord, that you would confirm the calling that you've placed in our hearts and lives. Father God, uh, thank you that, that Jesus came to show us the way, that he is the way. And that our number one calling is to spend time with him. 
Lord, show us how we can do that in this world, this busy world, as we heard earlier, this bombarding us with so many different things. Father, help us, show us. Pray this morning as well for, for any here this morning, maybe that, that uh, have never surrendered to Jesus. First step, open your heart and life to Him this morning and say, Jesus, I'm lost. I need a shepherd. I need a Savior, one who would save me from my sin as I turn to you here and now and look to the cross. Do it today. Don't, don't pass this day without surrendering, surrendering your life to Jesus. Lord God, we thank you for, for people like this. And we read those words later. People like these in the gospel, these men who really were just ordinary, unschooled, but they spent time with you and it says that they turned the world upside down because they were willing to serve you. May we be willing to serve you, to be the answers even to the prayers that we pray. Give us courage like they had, Lord. Give us boldness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, shall we?